Hello, welcome back. This is Adam Rosen. You're listening to the Total Need Tips and Pearls podcast. So on today's episode, I want to talk to you about the pre-flight checklist. And, you know, this is something that I continue to do. I mean, I'm now 16, 17 years into practice. Um, I still do this for every single case. And, you know, it's modified a little bit, but it is the same in the form and fashion that I continue on. And, And you say, well, you know, you've been doing this for a while. Why? Well, if you're a pilot, you know, even if you have 50 or 80,000 hours, you know, they've learned that you still go through the pre-flight checklist. You still go through, you know, walk the plane, you know, check all your gauges, check all your instruments, you know, check your fuel, you know, ch- check your flight path, all of those things. And why? Because of the repetition and the potential to prevent making a mistake or error by overlooking something simple. And the same thing can occur, you know, and I've seen and heard it happen. You know, someone gets in the operating room and, you know, you needed an implant and no one called for it and it's not there, you know, or the patient shows up for surgery and you realize, you know, that you didn't check a particular study or they didn't get cardiac clearance and the case is canceled, you know, or you do the operation and you, you realize the patient, you know, had low albumin or uncontrolled diabetes and they get a complication. So going through these steps every single time, potentially prevents a complication or at least prevents you from making a mistake that leads to a complication. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff to check and obviously it's going to be different depending on what surgeries you're doing and where you work in the hospital, you know, depending on what they have in house and what has to be called in. But in your head um, and then on paper, you can start to create a pathway that works well for you. So for me, um, I actually do this usually on the Friday before surgery for routine stuff. So you can do this all at one time. I just find for me, that's the most convenient time for me to do it. Um, Before I start clinic, after I've rounded, I tend to have time and I go through it. Sometimes I'll do it at different times. Like if I have something else going on that Friday, or if I have a big case coming up that is a complicated revision, I may start doing that case even earlier and then do all the other stuff, you know, on that Friday when I have time. But I know that something's coming up that's complicated. It may require a little bit more work and effort. So I want to make sure that I got all my ducks in a row. And then the other thing is you can do it as a group. You know, some places will sit down as a group in a division, say like the joint replacement surgeons all sit down and we'll go through, okay, these are the cases, you know, coming up in a week or two. You know, do we have all the history and physicals arranged? Are they done? Are the labs done? EKGs on the chart, clearances that we needed, are they there? you know, complex cases, what what implants are you using? Um, And you might do that just for the complex cases or for all. So you have to kind of decide where you're at. You know, do you want to do this on your own or do you want to do this in a group setting and make sure that everybody's going through all of these things? And the other thing is, um, you know, when you're doing this, for me, a lot of times, a lot of these decisions are actually happening at the time I'm booking the case. So I might see a patient in the office today and book them for surgery. And on my bed reservation, you know, I'm starting to put down, you know, I need clearances from these doctors. Um, I need these implants. I've already looked at the um, x-rays because I've seen them in the office that day. So I sort of have a plan for what's going to happen, even though their surgery may not be for two months. Um, So what we're going to talk about, though, mainly are these things leading up to patients scheduled for surgery in a week or so. Um, So 
for me, I, I make just a little chart and I just basically use a piece of paper. I've tried doing it on a spreadsheet and electronically. And for me, it's just quicker and faster just to write it. So I have my little chart and you know I have each day that I'm operating. And then on that piece of paper, I have the patient's name and the procedure that's being performed. You know, I add in the patient's name, I add in the age, I add in the BMI, um, and I have all that information there. Why? Well, you know, a lot of times if I go into the operating room, someone's really big, depending on the team that's with me that day, you know, if I have a really you know, big, strong tech and a very small tech, I might say, hey, this patient, the second case, really, really big muscular BMI, um, or they're overweight, it's going to be a little bit harder to retract. Maybe you guys could time, you know, who scrubs which case and who leg holds for that case. So that's even important, you know, or really large BMI, you know, do you need to hover mat or different things like that? Um, so you have that with you. And then once I've created that, I also keep that with me on rounds um, and I can take that with me. I can add in the room number and any other information that I need. So, you know, I go through my H and P again, usually by then it's done, either my, me or the fellow has done it, you know, and double checking through the chart. What was my plan for DVT prophylaxis? You know, I add that in, okay, I've got aspirin. Maybe I was putting on Eliquis. They have a history of DVT or maybe they're chronically on Xarelto for cardiac disease. They're going to go back on it. And then I make a little checkbox. Like, does this patient have anemia? You know, patients routinely don't get regular labs, but if a patient has anemia, I might check an H&H postoperatively or chronic kidney disease. You know, they're going to be getting fluids and anesthesia, and they're going to get antibiotics, um, pain medication. I may want to check a creatinine while they're at the hospital. So those are things that I add to that list. Um, diabetes. Do they have diabetes? You know, I'm checking the A1C. Yep, it was under seven. That's how they got scheduled. But I'm making a mark. Don't forget, I'm going to add in my insulin sliding scale and our order set for diabetics. And then I'm also going through and checking the nasal swab. So if I'm checking on Friday and they were H&P'd a week ago, usually the nasal swab is back. You know, if it's positive for MESA or MRSA, you know, making sure that they got the Bactroban. And then also if it was MRSA, making sure that Vanco has already been ordered for the case, because that might not be part of the initial order set if we put it in and pended it. And then now the Vanco, you know, or the MRSA swab comes up positive. Okay, I have to go back and add uh, MRSA. And this is also when I go back and just double check real quick at my radiographs. I tend to cut and paste the appropriate picture into my H&P. So when I'm scrolling through my H&P and looking at stuff, I'm not also pulling up the packs and looking at x-rays there. I just get a glance. Oh, yeah, okay. Any anatomic issues? Are they dysplastic? You know, is there a door A or door C femur? Was I planning on cementing? Is the cementing stuff, you know, ready? Or do they have a bad patella baja? Um, am I going to have difficulty exposing that knee? Oh, that one's going to take a little bit longer. Oh, do they have hardware? Do we have the hardware removal set, right? Screwdrivers. Um, what was I planning? Just making sure that, yep, all those things are in my mind. Varus knee, valgus knee. Is it bad? Do I need constraint? So those are all the things that looking at the x-rays and my notes and the H&P, I'm making little marks that, yep, I didn't miss anything. I didn't miss adding an implant and making sure that there's a rep that's involved. And this is also when I go back and glance at my labs, you know, looking at their CBC, looking at their platelet count, looking at their H&H, looking at their creatinine, checking their albumin, um, checking you know, if they're diabetic, what was their A1C? Are there any other labs that we had to look at? Because... I may have seen them in the office and, you know, their last labs may have been six months ago. I checked and now part of their pre-op, they had labs repeated, you know, either by their primary already or their cardiologist or by me. And I want to verify that before surgery next week, that all of those were okay. You know, EKG, cardiac issues. Is the EKG on the chart? Good. Were there cardiac issues? Is there an optimization note from the cardiologist? Making sure that's on the chart again, because 
even if I know or my nurse gets a phone call, yep, they're okay from our standpoint. Day of anesthesia or day of surgery, the anesthesiologist is looking for some information. You know, was there an echo? What's the rejection fraction? Was there a stress test? You know, was it clean? You know, if they have a pacemaker or a defibrillator, what implant is it? You know, Medtronic, Boston Scientific, do you need to have the rep come in to deprogram it? Is there a magnet available? Because you don't want to have the case delayed for an hour because you're trying to find a magnet or you know, get a, a rep to come in to reprogram it before or after. And then also, if they're on anticoagulation, was there a plan from the cardiologist? You know, can the patient stop it for how many days prior to surgery? You know, do they need a bridge if they were on warfarin? You know, what do they want you to do postoperatively as far as starting it? What's the risk? So all those things become added to this little list. Um, and again, like we talked about before, the plan for DVT prophylaxis, you know, routine prophylaxis for me, um, aspirin. But again, if they have a history of DVT, history of cancer that's active, are they on a blood thinner for another reason, you know, I may be putting them on additional chemical prophylaxis. Was that, I prescribe all my medicines um, pre-op at the pre-op um, visit so patients have time to get it so they're all at home. But was that prescribed? Was it Eliquis? Was it Xarelto? Sometimes it needs pre-authorization and you don't want the patient ready to go home and then they don't have their discharge medications for DVT prevention, and then it holds up the discharge. Um, also, medicine stratification. Did we send them medicine, and is there a note from their medical doctor about their preoperative stratification and any things that we have to look out for? Dental clearance. Did we get that for the patient? Is that on the chart? Is it available? Um, and then at this point, I also will make a um, de-identified email that goes out. Uh, this is something that we do with our OR our SBD team, um, our, our ortho group um, in the operating room, the techs, the lead, and the reps. So this goes out for, you know, Tuesday, 7.30 case, you know, I need Stryker. You know, the this 9.30 case, I need Zimmer. The, you know, 11.30 case, I need Smith & Nephew, or I need DJO, um, or I need, you know, for the fourth case, we're going to need the screw removal set. Um, so all that stuff's in there. And if I've done the other side, I also put in, you know, implant sizes on the other side where, you know, this was the size of the femur or the tibia, or this was the size of the femur and the cup. And this way it's all on the pick list. So SPD knows what implants to pull. Most of that for us lives in house, but the reps are aware. I get a little email back from the rep. Yep. Got it. See you next week. See you Tuesday. See you Thursday. Uh, but if there's something weird, you know, that's a phone call. That's a text. That's a send a picture. Hey, you know, we're revising this cup. Um, we got the old records. This is what it is. You got me, you got me polys. Yep. Do I have 32 inner diameter liner as my biggest? Do I get 36? If I can't get bigger, can I cement? Do you have cemented options? So making sure that you have all that stuff. So again, the day of surgery, nothing is catching you off guard. Um, and that's all the pre-op stuff. So again, most of that's occurring for me on Friday, but you have to pick and choose when you do it and making sure that you have a plan of you know how you go through that algorithmically so you don't miss anything. Day of surgery, so for me. You know, walk in, see the patient. I go through this again, pre-flight checklist, same way every single time. I, you know, want to see the chart after I say hello and ask them how they're doing. I want to see the chart, see the consent, their name, my name, correct side. Um, I also want to make sure that we have a blood consent. Again, their name, my name, and it's signed. And then also that I have a contact number. Who am I calling and speaking to after the surgery? Who do they want me to call and talk to and let them know how things went? And then I talk to them and inspect the skin, verify the correct body part, the surgical site, and mark it. And why am I looking at the skin? Well, you know, if they have psoriatic arthritis, I want to make sure that they didn't develop a big plaque over their knee. Some of these patients, even using chlorhexidine, break out in this wicked rash, or, you know, someone falls in the garden the day before. You don't want to get them in the operating room, 
have them go to sleep, and then look down at the knee and go, ah, I can't operate through that. Um, so you want to verify that and check that in the pre-op holding area. Uh, and then also checking the, you know, the normal questions that you have to ask everybody. When was the last time you had anything to eat or drink? Okay. You didn't stop and get food on the way in. Surprisingly, I'll never forget one time early in my career, you know, I had someone, and you didn't eat or drink anything this morning? Oh, no. You, you did? Where did you go? Denny's? You got a Grand Slam breakfast. Okay, so where for a 7.30 case that you have to be at the hospital at 5.30, like where do you go to Denny's at like three or four in the morning and nobody says, oh, so what are you doing up at this hour? Oh, I'm going for surgery. And no one thinks, ah, you're going for surgery in like two hours. Maybe you shouldn't be eating. That person was obviously canceled. Uh, But making sure that they didn't eat or drink, you know, based on anesthesia guidelines, they may have had clears, but make sure that your hospital, you know, is it, you know, six hours or what have you. All the medications that they were supposed to stop, you know, the Motrin, the Advil, the Aleve, the anticoagulation, they stopped all that? Yes. Okay, perfect. Your nasal swab was positive. Um, you did the goop in your nose, where I to describe it, the bacteria. Yes. Okay, good. And then any questions? Any other remaining questions that you may have thought of that I can answer for you today? And we're going through all of that. And then once that's good, I head off to the room, nursing and anesthesia does their thing. And again, part of this pre-flight checklist is getting things set up in the room. It is not going to the lounge, watching TV, having a cup of coffee, and waiting for them to call you, yep, we're ready. And then you come in the room and nothing's there. So I go in the room. Are the x-rays up? Can I pull up the computer? X-rays are up. Good. I'm doing a knee. Is the tourniquet machine in the room? Is the tourniquet size that I need there? Is the web roll there? Or if I'm doing a hip, do I have my hip positioners? Are they in the room? Implant trays. Are the trays there? Good. Reps there? Good. Implants are there? Good. Hospital instruments? There? Good. Um, because I even help my team open. So I'm in the operating room and I'm helping open. You know, we're looking, okay, all the trays are good. Everything's sterile. There's no holes in, in the um, drapes. Nothing's missing as far as instruments. So everybody's on board and the entire room is set up, um, even the lights and everything. And then at this point, now the patient comes in the room, patient's on the bed, patient's under anesthesia, and then prepped and draped, last check, we do the official timeout. So, you know, correct patient, name, date of birth, you know, correct procedure, the consent's there, you know, we're checking, yep, we got the implants, got our x-rays, antibiotics, yes, they're given the appropriate antibiotics, uh, making sure that the Vanco, you know, was started prior, so that's in, make sure they got their ANSEF, um, did they get their TXA? We always do gram and TXA pre-op before incision, both hips or knees. Yep, TXA is in. So all of those things are good. Then we're good. Now it's ready to take off. And, you know, it's a lot of information. And again, you're going to have to figure out what is important for you and how you go about doing it and what sort of form or chart that you have. But it's important to create those habits now, I think, as a resident or a fellow. And as an attending, you know, when somebody shows up and in some form or fashion, they have all this information. Oh, yeah, you know, I, um, so-and-so, we talked to Stryker, and so-and-so, we t- I talked to the Zimmer rep, and the stuff's here. And, you know, I know that second patient today we're putting on Eloquis. Uh, you know, all of those things, it shows that they've been thoughtful and they've thought through not showing up and going, oh, we're doing a knee. Yeah, do you know what this is? Oh, is it Varus or Valgus? I don't remember. I haven't looked at the x-ray. That unpreparedness, you know, is just not a good way to enter into our field because patients, they expect that you know what you're doing and that you're prepared for what you're doing. It is not just showing up to work and seeing what comes at you and taking care of it that day because if you don't have something that you need for that particular case, 
you know, that can cause undue harm for the patient. So create this sort of pre-flight or pre-surgical checklist, again, for you that allows you to have a good assessment of, you know, labs, medical stratification, implants, instruments, answer the questions, make sure the patient is safe and that you're ready to move on. And that's going to be the safest way to get through your day and offer your patients the safest and best potential surgery that you can give them because you're prepared. So thanks again for listening. I'm Adam Rosen. That's my little two cents on you know having your own little surgical pre-flight checklist. Until next time, stay safe. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.